0: Hello, welcome to episode 37 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but just ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah, and I'm joined by my friend, co-host, and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson.
1: Oh, look, listen to all those titles. Yeah. That's pretty neat. <laughs> it's yeah. nice. You know, I noticed with 37 episodes, I've noticed with other podcasts. They're in those numbers as well. So we're kind of in that.
0: We're zone. moved into <laughs> potty. I remember well. the days when
1: it was like three and it yeah. felt very illegitimate. Like, yeah. yeah, you haven't done anything yet. But now we're in the zone where we're doing stuff.
0: We didn't even have mic arms then. It was uh, just I like. No,
1: that's right. Yeah random things
0: from downstairs. So yeah, it's been pretty (laughs) fun. And we are currently in a series here at One Life called Common Chaos. It's been really, uh, really great and interesting talking about these things that we're calling just common chaos, things that we all kind of um, wrestle with, kind of go through um, as people. And so we're focusing on three topics for that, relationships, addictions, and stress, anxiety, busyness, whatever word you want to put in there. And so um, we're really excited today to talk um, to two of our friends here and just kind of explore some of those things together. And so, um, today on the podcast, we have Courtney Tinbarge, Courtney Tinbarge. Did I say that wrong? I think it was more like a, of a P than yeah. a P the first time. But. And I've known you for a while, so Tinparge. I apologize. The number in the book. Courtney Tinbarge <laughs> and Jill Buck, and they are mental health counselors, um, from here in the area. And I just want to start out just kind of letting you guys tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of go from there. So I'm going to start with Courtney and tell us a little bit about you.
2: Hi, um, I'm Courtney. <laughs> I am, I'm actually a one lifer. Yeah. Um, I've been here f- since I've been back in Indiana. Um, but I do mental health counseling. Um, Jill and I met seven or eight years ago. I forget the timeline at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, a while. <laughs> huh? a while, a while, a good while. Yeah. Um, so more about myself professionally is just that um, I'm a counselor that works with all ages. I work with about five or six is about the youngest I work with through any age um, that walks through the door. I call my little bitties through my big bitties um, is the ages <laughs> that I work with. Um, and. Really, Jill and I specialize in trauma. We have a trauma background. We come from a place where we did a lot of extensive trauma training, and I think it's really opened our eyes up to the human experience. And there's, I know we'll talk about connection and those things, there's a lot of misconnection that is involved with trauma, and so that's kind of the work Mm -hmm. that we do.
0: Um what's something fun you like to do? I like to cycle. Yeah, And this is
2: new to me in the last maybe 3 years. Um I like to I have a a road bike and I like to ride my bike out in bluegrass. Um I shouldn't oh, even say this out slow. loud yeah. yet, but it's I haven't short.
0: fallen yet with my clippings. <laughs> I have not Okay. By the time you're this good episode airs, <laughs> I, I should have, have to spoken it. That. I shouldn't even it, have you spoken it, it aloud. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um mm. and I, I think, you know, you said you're one lifer and Courtney and actually met working with students yes. together and uh just a short story, actually just saw this a few weeks ago. Um a lot of the students that she worked with were in high school at the time and have now moved on to college. And I saw one who just graduated she and she, she came in and you guys just immediately met in the lobby. Just great big hug. And I know that's really cool seeing that that relationship didn't just stop there, that no. you guys have always stayed connected. So it's really cool.
2: Yeah. One of mine just posted her picture of college graduation this past week. I was like, what? <laughs> I would have been there. She's like, I know. I thought of you that day. She's I like, I cannot that. believe I didn't tell you because I knew you would have been there. So I, I feel like. I'm not old but I feel old like these (laughs) freshmen are now graduating and some Mm -hmm. of them already have jobs and so cool yeah yeah it's cool
3: relationships and Jill tell us a little bit about you Okay, so like Courtney and I Courtney said, we started what seven years ago, but we opened our own private practice this year in mm-hmm. September. We're Joy for the Journey Counseling, that's our, our place, and we're in Newburgh. Um, I see starting at age three, so I start with a little bit younger kids, um, and then I work up with young adults. And my that keeps as I get older, like my young adults keep getting older too, so <laughs> they just kind of like, <laughs> age y'all? into it. Plan. So you know, like they, so. we just keep coming together, but um, I do see a lot of trauma. I specialize in sexual abuse, um, that's mm-hmm. something that I, I focus on in treatment, and we will probably talk about each. EMDR some too, but we're both trained in some trauma protocol called EMDR. Um, and we do a lot of that, I feel like, and play therapy kind of things too. Um, we're both trained in attachment work. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about, we can talk about attachment, I guess, as we go too, but uh, a little bit about me. I grew up, I did not go to one life, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've gone to Salem Church of Darmstadt my whole life. So cool. we're generational there. And I did a lot of church camps for a lot of years when I was a kid. Um, then I went to, ca- you know, council of the church camps. And so I'm definitely oh, wow. a person of the faith and have been, uh, like I said, at my church for a long, long, long time. So
0: <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So you were there and then you came back and did more things as you continued on. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, um, well, you, you just said something that I don't even know what it is. What is EMDR?
2: <laughs> you want to talk about it? <laughs> it's eye movement uh, desensitization reprocessing. Yeah, um, it's a form of trauma. <laughs> that helps. I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, got so, it. The yeah, way I thanks. say it to
2: kids is eyes move to digest and reprocess, which they still don't get the reprocess. But uh-huh. they, so yeah, okay. well, I don't know if you know this, but in one of your sleep cycles, it's called REM sleep, mm-hmm. rapid right. eye movement, yeah. and we do a lot of processing in our sleep. And the la- the lady. Um, Francine Shapiro. Francine, Francine Shapiro created this and mm-hmm. it's it, it involves eye movement while you're awake. Um, and what I tell people basically is we're just getting both parts of the brain, both hem- both hemispheres of the brain activated because trauma tends to be stored primarily in certain parts of the brain and other parts, if we look at brain scans, are super activated while other parts we want to be activated are super shut down. And mm-hmm. so the goal is just to get all parts of the brain activated through what we call bilateral stimulation, so bilateral being both sides of the body. Stimulation, um, so it's a really fancy language cool. for we just process trauma um, mm-hmm. through movement. Oh,
1: process trauma through movement, mm-hmm. but eye movement,
2: eye or tapping. It can be ta- like some people like their eyes closed, so we may tap, do some tapping. I've had people stand up and march mm-hmm. while we process in trauma. Kids um, will do like a car back and forth or a marble sometimes to sure. just.
3: Okay, is that mm-hmm. good practice
1: to have? Just if even if you don't feel like you've had trauma, you just to do. Well, you the, don't want to do it like on your own. Yeah. Oh, you don't. (laughs) Well,
2: but actually there's part of it you can. We teach kids something called a butterfly hug. Um, And you just make a little butterfly over your heart. And it's just slow calming Um, when they're, when they, I actually do it as an adult. I tell them, I'm like, (laughs) grownups can do this too. Um, It just gets bilateral again, both sides, stimulation.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. We're already learning things. We probably need to back up. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I jump in. I I know. I was so fascinated. fascinated. uh, It it was a great thing to ask. I I love it. But um, now you say you work a lot with trauma. Mm -hmm. Define for it. When you say that word, what do you mean? What's the definition of that?
3: So for me, it can be, we call them big T traumas and little T traumas. So for kids, sometimes it might seem like a big, a small T trauma, like they moved schools or, um, you know, they like a friend moved away. Those kinds of things might seem little to us, but it might've been big to them. Um, other traumas can be like car accidents, sexual abuse, you know, growing up in a verbally abusive home, things like that. I don't know if you have things to add when you thinking about trauma.
2: Yeah. Um, I think you said a car accident, mm. um, natural disasters, the little T traumas I think about too, like bullying something small over like a period of time, um, can really be those messages we talk about of I'm not enough or whatever can, then bring on those beliefs those negative beliefs that then get held or stored in the body or in the brain um but trauma the more we practice trauma and learn about trauma the more we realize how prevalent Mm -hmm. it is I think before I got into this field I thought oh that's just big extreme stuff but one of my favorite trainings was it's not all big t trauma there's little Mm -hmm. t traumas too
1: yeah, a comment was made before we started that is that everybody
2: mm-hmm.
1: has trauma to some degree.
3: Yeah, it's kind of the bumps Isn't in the road in your life. Okay, like when you think okay. back and think of the things that maybe didn't go so well that were hard for you or, you know, or even things like I can think I can remember being a kid and one of my, you know, like a friend said something, you know, something small to me, like you can't sing. I remember one of my friends said that Aww. and I can sing, but yeah. <laughs> I just, like this much, I can. this much,
2: okay. not really, but I, I can carry oh, a okay. tune. Sure, um, okay.
3: but I remember that became like a, a belief, like, okay, well then I can't sing. So therefore I should not sing. So mm-hmm. it's those little things. And I don't know if that's necessarily like a traumatic event, but it's just something right. that I, I came, that became a belief about me that was never true or founded on anything. But as a kid, I just like that was, mm-hmm. that's the truth. And so, you know, I went with it. Um, but I think things like so that can do you come draw
1: up. out the definition to that, which, um, the, the cause of an effect, which the effect is the belief. Is it, mm-hmm. is it, do you say it that way? Do you say this happened? So therefore I believe something to get something defined as trauma.
2: Oftentimes mm-hmm. we, we really try to find the belief because there tends mm-hmm. to be something, but I mean, it can mm-hmm. also be body reactions. It can be Somebody that now is having panic attacks or was very avoidant of certain places. But again, generally, if we kind of get to digging, there's a belief of "I'm unsafe" or something that is a the core. I can't trust people. I can't trust the world. Is mm. yeah, there tends to be a core belief we can usually get to, but yeah. it manifests in different ways. Like I said, body sensations are relational, the way people relate with each other and all that stuff.
1: Okay. So, but the 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 experience of trauma can be traced back to or the experience of that belief can be traced back to a something traumatic that you can you can say it came from this particular thing or this series of events mm-hmm.
3: or something. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. if it didn't, if like a, this, like my friend telling me I couldn't sing, that wasn't necessarily traumatic, it just, it did trace back to that though. You see what I mean? Like I don't know if right. I would yeah. call that traumatic. Trauma. But yeah, but it would relate back to something. It had an impact
0: know? on you right. in some way. Mm-hmm. And, right. and when you guys are talking about like trauma and some of these things that you mentioned as examples, do you, I don't know, maybe we just have more information than we've had in the past. Do you feel like that's more prevalent, like, in society today? Like, this idea of trauma that we're at least um, realizing that it is trauma? Yes. Or is that something mm-hmm. that we just have always had?
2: I mean, it's always been there, but the belief is finally, I think, very recently, maybe in the last 30 years, mm-hmm. finally starting, we're starting to realize these things are traumatic events or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the idea around it is definitely changing. Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. of it being present is not new. By any means, but we have just such a better understanding about it. I mean, not that long ago, women were put in the hospital for hysteria, mm-hmm. um, or catatonic states for things that are much more treatable now, just because we know mm-hmm. we know the world differently and the brain differently and yeah,
1: yeah. right so if you um, is that what most of what you deal with is like and I'm not, I know that's what you specialize in, but when mm-hmm. people arrive in your world. Is it usually you can trace it back to trauma?
2: Um a lot honestly a lot of what we get is adjustment, whether it be life changes, relationship changes, mm-hmm. moves, someone passed away mm-hmm. or died. Um a lot of what we get is adjustment, which then can result with anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. um, behavioral issues, behavioral issues
3: with kids. <laughs> and yeah. adults too. I guess. But then you and use the <laughs>
1: word adjustment that's a different thing from trauma. I'm sorry, I missed a I'm missed the definition. not, so nec- nec- not necessarily yeah. social, So, In
2: fact, the adjustment disorder falls under the trauma section of our diagnostic manual. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically, and here's the deal. not everybody has an issue with adjusting. It just depends on how it happened, what was going on, how vulnerable vulnerable you were at that time, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um but they're very very interconnected. It can be the trauma can be somebody now is maybe they don't have post traumatic stress disorder but they definitely have an adjustment issue mm-hmm. after this car accident or after this death or whatever that may be.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So do if as mental health professionals what do you wish Everybody knew that you could just kind of put out there as just broadcast. What do you wish everybody knew to, <laughs> so many things? But but just about how life functions and whether it's trauma issues or adjustment issues, what do you kinda of, that would help everybody be just a little bit healthier anyway, mentally mm-hmm. and would chill out or however you want to call that.
3: Yeah. There's so many things that are just like swirling around in my head. But I know one of the big things that I am about, all about is connection is key. So, you know, when, mm-hmm. when when I talk with parents about disciplining their kids, connecting with them first before you actually carry on whatever discipline it might be. But just making sure, you know, what I'm talking about there is like a, a kid's throwing a fit. And so instead of saying just removing them from the situation, talking to them first, like you're, I can tell you're upset. I, you're, your face is showing me that you're angry. Um, so then connecting with them. And then helping that child kind of move out of what's, whatever's going on that moment. So connection is key is always one thing I want people to know. Um, and then I think, too, that mental health is something that everyone has. <laughs> so it's normal to have times when your mental health is better and times when it's not. So what are yeah. things you're thinking about?
2: I mean, the first thing that I tell almost at least five times a day is there are things I can do to help myself. Mm-hmm. Is what I want everybody to know. There are mm-hmm. always things I can do to help. My and I I talk with kids about that. We have our power poses, and we say there are things I can do to help myself because I think it's really easy to forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Primarily within relationship, kind of what Joe was talking about: connection, 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 connection. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we are. So when you're saying that, she used the example of uh, connecting to kids when you're raising mm-hmm. them, but when uh, for adult to adult, like uh, yep. if, uh, when you say connection, 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 I need to make more better friends or
2: healthy friends friendships. Some, yeah. yeah. And yeah. everybody's different. Some people, three friends, two friends is enough. Some people, they like to have a bigger network than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but some kind of support or ne- network of connection. One of the words that people, anyone who sat in my office or knows me well, I say the word regulation a lot, Um, We want to regulate, and a lot of life is co-regulation. Like, we feed off of each other. There are times, like, we know babies need almost pure co-regulation. They can't calm themselves. So we start at life, like, needing so much regulation from another person, and then we slowly begin to develop that, but we never lose it. If you have a bad day, you need somebody to talk to. We get that regulation from someone else um, because we're in a heightened emotional state, and we match as people. Someone can kind of bring us to their state. (laughs) Or we can bring someone up to (laughs) our state depending on what's going on. That's
0: right. It might happen a time or two. It's a roller coaster,
3: yeah.
2: But yeah, there are things we can do to help ourselves, and that connection I think is huge. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, relationships in general, you've talked just a little bit about that there. And um, yeah, like what, what part what role I mean overall like healthy relationships but like parent to child spouse friends like what does that play like how does that play kind of into our mental health in general like we've been talking about relationships here at One Life a lot and um um t- as a proactive pursuit I mean it's something you're kind of always working through and um what is that I don't know How does that look like for you guys when you're talking people through things
2: you've um, there's so many things in the recent messages that we connected with the yeah. proactive pursuit listen um be there was a something you said this past week of try to be interested before being interesting i especially in my adult relationships mm-hmm. when I'm talking with someone maybe about their their partner relationship or with a parent or a sibling um, try to see where the other person is coming from um, with relationship that being so key we are so quick to assume. Yeah. I call it projecting. We project on other people all the time. Like I'm going to project onto you what I think I already know you believe about me and it tends to be wrong because I'm projecting from my emotional state. Mm -hmm. Um, within that but I think the I don't even remember now what you even asked about the relationship piece <laughs> but I think <laughs> I get so excited so, about this I just get going there's, there's a
1: lot of joke fodder within that little comment you just made I don't, was even, remember, I don't even remember what you just said <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening? Listening? Li- yeah. I know her open. relationship and i was it, like, like, yeah, it's, it's open Dang it,
0: for it. Um, <laughs> I did hear a lot of things that you said Brett she said she liked the stuff you said on Sunday So I wrote a lot
1: she of stuff down. And I stopped listening after for that, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, way to go! It's good. Yeah, all right, check it off. It's uh-huh. good. It's good. Yeah. So, uh, and and we, we had a little bit of a conversation before we started this, and uh, you mentioned just knowledge and understanding of the brain, which is one of the things that uh, I've I've had a blast. I've always liked uh, the neuroscience kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I, I, I read it on a pop level. I don't read you know the papers you had to do, go through yeah. in college or any <laughs> yeah. of that sort of stuff yeah. that looks uh, pretty dry. But uh, but I but I do know they've learned a whole lot in the yes. last. Um, Uh, several years uh, compared to in the past. But what do you wish people knew about the brain itself? Uh, Just, you know, this is what God has given us. And so it functions a certain way. And I have a feeling that if we did understand uh, how it functioned, we'd be a little bit better off.
3: Yeah, it can do do a lot of healing on its own, the brain. Hmm. so. I feel like you're a brain expert. Do you, know what mm. you want to, do you want to talk about it? What do you mean? It, t- well, like- I thought you're both a brain expert. <laughs> oh, I, so like, okay, I feel like she it explains is. it. Like I have. Okay. her I feel like she explains it more thoroughly or okay. more precisely than I do. I get it all. Like- all
2: right. <laughs> So like how I teach people about their brain? Yeah.
3: Well,
1: just what do you wish people knew about their brain? that they Most people probably don't, and they just, yeah, I got a, I got one, you know. At least mm-hmm. And and what do you wish they knew about it, how it functions, <laughs> uh, and, and how I could help it function better?
2: You know, one, I think the easiest skill we can come back to if we want to get super basic is there are simple parts of the brain that I teach people. And I know if people are going to watch this, I'm going to just do it. But if you make a fist um, with your hand, this is about the basic shape, not size, of our brain.
0: I'm doing this too.
2: Yeah, please please do. Um, So if you are just listening, it's a fist with your thumb tucked inside your hand. Um, And so basically, this is our brain. These are our like most recently developed, our more critical thinking areas of our top part of our brain. And inside, we have more of our emotion brain. Um, And so what I teach people is, is when we are like, usually when I'm talking to somebody in my office, I say, right now you're feeling pretty calm, right? Yeah, I feel calm. Um, So I'm like, well, all parts of your brain are online. They're all parts of your brain are with us right now. And so we're able to problem solve and think through things. Um, And so that's our thinking part of our brain. That's kind of our right behind our forehead is where we make a lot of our good decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, Inside of our brain, we have our emotion brain. I teach kids. Her name is Amy. It's our amygdala. We have Amy. Tex is our thinker, our cortex, and Hippo is our hippocampus. That's our memory parts of our brain. Um, and when they're all together, we can make good decisions. But we can be aware of our emotions. Our emotions are important. Um, what happens is, and I think what is really helpful to know is, when we get really heightened emotion state, we flip our lid. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and so, <laughs> <that was laughs> right. Worth right? And then. so, um, our thinking brain kind of goes offline. We're coming out of emotion. So that's when we tend to emotionally. Rationalize. That's when a, maybe a, t- a toddler's on the floor tantruming. And what I tend to see as adults, we try to do is then reason with them or logic. We can't mm-hmm. do that here. Hey, we need to go. And we're trying to speak to the logic brain, which is no longer in the room. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So we have to connect. We have to connect. Oh, my goodness, you're so upset. I'm right here with you. You know, let's mm-hmm. take a big belly breath together. And you'll slowly see somebody come back online and. Um, And then we can think, then we can make good decisions, or then we can talk to that person that we're upset with. Um, But if we can realize what kind of part of brain we're in, then I think we know what we need. I either need to calm myself down. I don't need to continue this argument with my partner. I don't need to address this with my child because I'm really mad at them. Um, I don't need to call my friend right now because I'm in my emotion brain. I have flipped my lid or maybe I'm halfway flipped, but I'm not going (laughs) to say nice things or whatever. And that's when I'm like, okay, if we know we're here and we are really taking over by emotion, we know what we need. We need to calm down first until most of us are all together. Then we can talk through stuff and we can know what we can do. And I even, you know, even for us, not even with somebody, just for myself, when I know I need that, mm-hmm. um, I get, I start thinking like irrational thoughts about something that I know aren't true. I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay any attention to those thoughts until I can calm myself down. Cause I know I'm in my emotion brain right now, mm-hmm. um, so let's wait until my thinking brain can get back online. So I'm just going to take a breath. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk or I'm going to squeeze my stress ball or something like that.
1: So when you're on your own mm-hmm. and, you, and there's no one to connect with directly mm-hmm. to, to calm yourself down review that again just what do I do if if I'm thinking with my emotional brain
0: mm-hmm. you
1: said squeeze your stress ball
2: yeah I have sure. a stress yeah. ball in my office sometimes yeah. I'll just walk if I need to if I'm at home I like yeah. to turn on music and dance around the house like yeah. that just gets me in a better mood and relax <laughs> <laughs> we've well, um, been given
1: permission to right? do that yeah, by our go. counselor yeah. We yes. just need to dance uh-huh. it'll all be good
2: honestly music is probably one of the most popular relaxation or coping skills I hear from people especially teens well yes. most pe- mm.
3: people but teens yeah. They always have
0: uh-huh. access to that, yeah. To, so when you feel like you see that in media, even like when like teenagers see even shows like they put their headphones on, <laughs> yeah. go in their room. Like you've seen that since you know movies mm-hmm. since I can remember. I mean, yeah. it's interesting.
1: But even just knowing that that's not just hey, I like to listen to music when I'm stressed, mm-hmm. but that actually is functioning. It's doing something for you that. It, having the permission to do that as, mm-hmm. a, as a calming thing is, a, is, is helpful. Yeah. Uh, so when you're on your own, you do that. But but, And you said something a while ago that the, the connection piece, when, mm-hmm. when, when Jill, you said yeah. that connection was so important, yeah. you kind of linked it to connection is key when I am, okay, I'm kind of torqued up, mm-hmm. that that is the thing that I need at that moment and I'm asking. For kids, I would say yes. I don't know. What would you say for
3: adults? A lot of
2: times, but I think we all know sometimes we just want to be alone and we Mm -hmm. need space. So I think it can be both, but I think connection is definitely one of the big key things. Even if it just means somebody says this is really hard Mm -hmm. um, or I'm just going to sit with you or it's okay to be mad at me right now. I say that (laughs) that a lot. Like it's okay to be mad right now, Mm -hmm. even if it's at me. Mm -hmm. Um, You're totally allowed that. I think that feels so good to hear. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing like no feelings are bad we have to validate all of them and it's hard to validate ourselves sometimes especially when we're in that emotional state if we can be validated by somebody and validating does not mean agreeing mm-hmm. to tell someone I could see why that would be upsetting for you doesn't mean you don't think right. that that's not an upsetting situation or
0: whatever we're, um or sitting and saying something that you think if you say it out loud people are gonna either not like you or think differently of the and you say it to someone they're like okay Mm -hmm. And then you just move forward like, oh, you're not freaked out. And, like, it just makes you feel more confident and settle with it a little bit. I can see Mm -hmm. that, like, coming back together in in one piece there. Yeah, Yeah. important
1: distinction, though, validating is not agreeing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so validating you're defining as I understand why that would make you mad.
3: Yeah, well, like so teens that, or anybody yeah. venting about their parents or whoever. Right. I could see why that would frustrate you. I could see that, that would, I could see that that's a big deal to you. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know things like that. Words you yep. pers- you don't necessarily agree with their perspective, but you can just validate. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. right. And Jill, since you deal with uh, the kids' side of life, Mm -hmm. um, what do you wish parents knew about Mm -hmm. some of the things that you've known as you went through all your training and Mm -hmm. dealing with kids every single day? Uh, What do you wish most of them knew about? Because it's it's hard. I mean, parenting is is the most wonderful thing ever, but Mm -hmm. at the same time it is absolutely the toughest job there is because navigating some of that stuff is... And you really don't have a lot of guidance out there. You make it up as you go along. So right. what can you pass along? Some mm-hmm. well, I always
3: tell pa- pe- anybody, but parents, especially the parenting is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, usually through life, just because parenting is a stressful job and self-disclosure. I have an almost five-year-old and a two-year-old. So Going I'm parenting all the time. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's- so that's,
3: you know, a lot of, they teach me a lot. Both of my kids have taught me a lot. And just the, you know, understanding parents a little bit better too, of just like, it's stressful. It's a stressful job. Um, I think a lot of parents think that their kids are, you know, they're being bad or they're um, I don't really know how to say what I'm trying to say, but they'll, they attribute their behavior to like, Oh, they're just being stinkers. They're just stinkers. They're like, they just write them off as like, they're always going to be bad misbehaved do things like that. And it's like, well, that might not really be true. They just need something, something they're communicating something with their behavior. So if they're throwing a fit, what, what's behind that? What are they needing? Are they needing to spend more time with you? Do they feel disconnected from you? Um, so kind of using behavior as a, as a communication method almost Mm -hmm. because kids tend to not use their words when they should, Mm. (laughs) unless you're my children and they talk all the time. (laughs) But, um, I think that piece of just, you know, going back to connection, but, um, what are they communicating with you by the way that they're acting or, you know, with teens, you'll even see like the, they're not wanting to look at you or things like that. And it's, you know, what is that communicating to you?
1: But what if, okay, they're obviously upset because they wanted to do X and you said you're not doing X, you're coming over here and doing Y
3: yeah you just stick uh, with that I'm sorry I know you're upset about that that's just we got to do this you know I tell my daughter my oldest daughter every day I know it's not fair because you know sister's doing something yeah I know it's not fair but that's the way that it is when you were two you did all those things you know like I just whatever it is yeah that's us. right I'm yeah. just like <laughs> we used to get that out of you it's, yeah, it's, it's not fair yeah. you can you can be upset about it like no, just kind of validating you, that. you
1: deal with teens correct yes yeah okay, okay. Yeah. so hey
2: <laughs>
1: there's a great little co- what do you wish all parents knew about dealing with teenagers because that's a mm. uh, it's now it divides up in my experience was and and Sarah and you've, you've led mm-hmm. groups of teenagers and like there's the middle school years yes. kind of the in pre-adolescent you know early adolescent years mm-hmm. and then there's the later and they are different yes so early adolescence what's critical? to to understand if you're Mm. a parent trying to navigate those.
3: They're all about peer relationships in that age group. So like, I feel like even like thinking back in my own middle school years, it's, you could say something as a parent a hundred times, but if they hear it from one of their friends, it's like brand new news, you know, like it's like brilliant, (laughs) brilliant advice. So Mm -hmm. just keeping that in mind that they're, what they're driven by social status and by peer relationships. So, um, you'll see a lot of that in their way that they're acting or the way that they're wanting, you know, even maybe the way that they talk. So I don't know. Do you have other things?
2: Yeah, I would definitely, definitely say developmentally middle school is all, that's why we see peer pressure and bullying mm. and self-esteem issues really coming up in middle school. Cause it is all developmentally. They're supposed to be now saying, where's my social status in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think we get some of that irritability and some of those Mm -hmm. things that definitely carries into high school years where they're seeking more independence with that too Mm -hmm. and they have social causes and those kinds of beliefs one of the biggest things I hear with these ages is that grown-ups don't take the time to validate a teen or middle schooler they don't feel heard whether you agree with your kid or not to sit down and say I see that's really important for you here's the boundary I have with that, but let's either talk about why or -hmm. let's talk about a compromise here or let me just understand why you're so passionate about that. I tell parents that doesn't mean we have to like not have the boundaries or the beliefs or the rules and regulations in the house that you believe as a parent you should have. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is the biggest key piece I hear most often is that my parents don't Mm -hmm. listen to me, don't care about my perspective or they think I... I am not stupid. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm not, mm-hmm. I know more than they think I can do these things. And if we mm-hmm. saw that in them and spoke into that while still saying, I, you, you, you absolutely can. And I hear where you're coming from and here's how I see this boundary. And again, at the end of the day, parents still have that Yeah. and say, um, but that val- validate, validating
3: them.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well. And
3: ex- I think explaining the why behind. I tell parents a lot that so a kid will t- give me an issue like they're worried about something or they um, disagree with their parents about whatever issue it is, and then I'll say, "Well, why do you think that the, it is the way that the parent is saying that?" Um, and the kids usually don't know, so then I'll ask the parents, "Well, why have you made this the rule?" And once I understand the why, I said, "Have you told your child that?" They'll say, "Well, no," <laughs> you know, things like that. I'm like, well, if they understand the why behind, they're more likely to respect that hmm. I think than if they okay. just were given a rule like you have to be in bed by 11 or whatever, you know, whatever the rule is. Oh, that's kind of like, you have to be in bed by nine, <laughs> uh, things like that, you know, but if they don't ever say like, because your brain's developing and it's really important for you to get good sleep, that's a really, I don't know if that's the greatest example, but it's an example. It's an example. Uh, so mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that, we're explaining the why behind might help a child understand that reason why there is something the way that it is, why the rule is the way that it is. Mm-hmm.
1: So, And as the gear shifts over into say 16 and up, yeah where does that come in? You said a lot of it is just the independence issue. Mm -hmm. Are there things around that? Is it still validation pretty much?
2: Yeah, I think definitely validation at that age and then the relationship Mm -hmm. Um, and also just accepting that your kid is going to be mad at you uh, <laughs> about a lot of the decisions that you make and just telling your kid, like, honestly, instead of like, don't worry your eyes at me. I think a better response can be, which is, can feel disrespectful is I know this is really frustrating for you and I get it. I get that when I have to set that limit, you don't like it. Um, cause if, if what's your end goal is your end goal in that moment to just have your, your role in that be end, or is your end goal for your kid to kind of feel I'm on the same side as you about this as much as possible. You're never going to get that 100% of the time. Um, but I'm always thinking, what's the end goal here? Do I want them to know the why of why that is? Or And I get it. You get to be mad at me, and I'm going to have that, but I'll still be here. Mm-hmm. I'm not you're going still <laughs> You're still and the you're parent. And you're teaching them. Yeah. You're teaching them. Like, a lot of times we we don't, we get sassy, you know, back with a kid when we're saying, don't get sassy at me. And it's just teaching them like, Mm. this is how you stay calm when somebody is being that way. And they, they pick up about 20% of what we say and about 80% of what we do. Like if we're yelling (laughs) at them, you know, those kinds of things. Very true.
0: That's good. And even going into adulthood, when you said, you know, it's all about peer relationships, Mm -hmm. I feel like that still happens, obviously, in adulthood. I mean, you kind of, once you start that in those teenage years, it doesn't ever really Mm -mm. stop in a way. Would that be true? Absolutely. It just gets
2: harder. (laughs) The older (laughs) you get to find friends, especially if you're new to an area or those kinds of things. But no, I definitely work with adults 30 40 50 that are either new to an area just really because of raising kids and those mm-hmm. things don't have a lot of friends and they they are wanting that connection and not sure how so no I don't think that ever goes away
0: yeah um, and you feel like kind of starting in that young age when it kind of starts if you're healthier there it it helps I mean obviously throughout I would assume so kind of mm-hmm. starting on figuring out what that looks like, having healthy relationships. Cause it's like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, wow, oh, that makes so much sense because you continue to see that with adults so often, especially if people are looking for connection, um, which even in a church we see that a lot of people are looking for someone or some place to connect to, um, just looking for a way to figure that out. And I think that's a lot of times what a lot of people are just looking for.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we build our relationship skills, our social skills from a very young age, um, I mean, we really start parents are the first teachers of social skills mm-hmm. and how relationships work with their kids and then obviously school and peers and all of those kinds of things, but confidence in relationships, feeling open to going to, so- I mean, there's a lot of people that don't want to go to a mm-hmm. social function cause that's scary. Yeah. Um, and those, that stuff doesn't tend to, unless again, there's a traumatic thing in adulthood, just start in adulthood. Like those beliefs about self and feeling comfortable going into those social settings starts from a really young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like you can have a voice in that, and that relationships are important and not scary, or whatever those beliefs may be.
1: You no, know, one of the things that I've 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 stressed in the message, but I also picked up in research and all is the fact that that your brain does change and you're mm-hmm. not stuck, mm-hmm. um, which was new data for a lot of people. But say so you did, you you were raised in an environment where you did have trauma, and you your parents probably weren't the best social coaches or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and you're an adult and you want to connect and you want to take on new you know just I I want to get better Mm -hmm. what are some things you need to remember or know are there any steps you can take to kind of get better socially or connect with people or or any of that kind of thing that would be good good for people to know to understand about that brain and how they can change.
3: I'm kind of thinking that you, you operate out of what you know. So we only know what we know. So if we think about our history and how we have had relationships in the past, that will influence the way that we have in relationships now, which is what kind of what right. you're saying. But, um, Yeah, I'm thinking just about that part of just that will inform how we have relationships. So keep that in mind, I guess, when you're trying to form new ones of mm -hmm. like trying to make sure that doesn't carry carry over. If it's something that you want to change from what you had in the past, make sure you don't seek that out in the future. Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
2: Well, I call them correctional relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's the here and the now that's going to change the belief that... um, Everybody thinks I'm stupid if I have something to say or whatever. Like we do have to be open to trying these things, and again, maybe that means talking with a therapist first so I can have some like coping skills when I get anxious or whatever. Um, but we we absolutely can rewire our brain. Um, that plasticity you're talking about. I tell people all the time, like, isn't it nice to know we can rewire? our brain the older we are the more practice it takes Mm -hmm. um, because it's more set in its ways um but we can totally rewire our brain and correctional relationships current experiences are one of the most powerful ways we do that we can sit and talk about it all day long and process in in an office but once we get out and try that stuff we actually learn like oh I do have the interesting things to say or people aren't just going to shut down around me um and so we, uh, we, yeah, having the
1: Yeah. So the process of rewiring, I guess mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm after. So I could, I can talk to you in your office and then I've got mm-hmm. to go right to a party. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, it can be something as simple as, hey, maybe this week, if it is somebody that goes to church this week, maybe try to um, smile to 10 people. Mm-hmm. Just see what happens when you look 10 people in the eye and smile and just see what happens. And maybe it starts that small and like, oh, mm-hmm. people actually smile back at me. I'm not totally invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's a go say hi to somebody or, you know, that coworker you have mentioned a couple of times, why don't you just try asking them about a show they watch? Um, and right. realizing like oh so it can
1: be very small oh, and, absolutely. And, and, and you know easy easy things mm-hmm. for like a better way of putting it. Uh, but I think that's important to know because yeah. mm-hmm. some people think it for some people it, it, it is a chasm that I've got mm-hmm. to cross. so it might as well be 50 miles um, but I can do this in inches and that's mm-hmm. okay and that's mm-hmm. and that yeah. would and that would do the rewiring work.
2: Absolutely. And probably way, it's probably the safer way to go that route because that's how we do rewire. It's um, slowly over time is laying this new framework, this new foundation of correctional experiences over time. Right. Uh, one big one mm-hmm. may feel nice or maybe honestly, maybe way too overwhelming to have been a good experience, even if it was right. overall good.
3: Um, okay, so, yeah. so almost
1: like slow over time is even better in, in some ways. Yeah. I can't yeah. think about it like clearing a path. Like
3: in our brain, our pathways are very defined usually mm-hmm. uh, right. with our experiences. So we default, it's kind of like a marble, you default and it goes into the crack that it knows. So when you're doing these corrective experiences, you're, you're kind of creating a new path through the jungle is what I tell people. You've got your machete and you're, you're cutting, you're cutting your new okay. pathway. So it does take some work. And I do think that slowly over time is a good thing. You know, I had a kiddo, uh, well, she's a teenager. Uh, she, in my head, she's a kiddo, um, not that long ago of just stretching her window of tolerance. So what she can mm. handle, like just try one thing that's just slightly out of that window of tolerance. Um, uh, and for her, it was calling a friend she hadn't talked to in a while and getting out of the house. Um, So it's like that was her big thing, and she came in all excited. Mm. She's like, I did it! See, <laughs> yeah, it's like, so cool. so you had small things like that that it's like little, and then you know, we're just stretching it over time
0: um, to where she can feel like she can do most things. So, and and for you guys, like when you're just saying that, like I can see the excitement you had for Mm -hmm. her, Yeah. like, I mean, what you guys are doing, there's a relationship there with the people you're meeting with. I mean, that's just as important as them having a relationship with you, I would assume. Right. Can you talk about that at all?
2: Yeah. Report like 90% of what works in therapy is the report. If you don't Mm. feel heard or cared about or responded to by your therapist, um, I don't know that you're going to want to share your deep, painful, vulnerable things. Um, So relationship is
3: and I believe you.
2: yeah, number one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we spend a lot of time doing that, so,
3: like, with kids, we'll play for a while, just to get used to each other and and playing games and those kinds of things, so uh, and I do that with teens, too, we'll have cards or something that's going while we're talking, um, but I just I've had a a girl that I've seen for a long time here recently that just had stopped and how much that relationship, you know, I, I was smiling. I was like clapping for, her. I was like, I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so proud. And I kept saying that over and yeah. over again. And she's not a person that really like would smile a whole lot or would acknowledge any of that. But she's like, I'm really thankful for the time that we had together. Oh, so, you know, amazing. like one of those, yeah, just, and that for me is not, we don't always get those kinds of things, but man, that just showed, you know, we're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a yeah, good thing. Great. <laughs> so sure. I know they impact us, so it's good that we can impact them too.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and you think if you're going to open your vulnerability up with somebody, it's got to be somebody you feel safe with. I mean, safety in relationship is one of the big mm-hmm. key things for that relationship to be sustaining. I think if we don't feel safe with somebody, we're on guard or whatever those things may be. So um, if we can create a space, just even with our friends or in our office or whatever, of safety – Mm-hmm. non-judgment as much as possible those kinds of things right. in
0: our relationships friendships marriages whatever is is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and kind of wrapping up here kind of towards the end kind of closing up I would just want to make sure we take some time and ask if someone's listening to this and they're kind of processing some of these things on their own thinking man maybe that's something I want to explore what would you suggest they do like kind of some first steps to maybe um, get connected to, to either talking with someone or maybe something different
2: I mean, okay. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, there, you, people don't have to have like this big, huge mm-hmm. life-altering thing to be going on to go talk to a therapist. It's somebody that's not in, in the emotion with you that can give you perspective from the outside. So I definitely encourage that. But honestly, if you do have relationships in your life, people in your life that you feel safe with, maybe try opening up about something that you've kept all to yourself for mm-hmm. a while just to s- allow yourself to receive support um from the people that are already in your life um counsel at your church i mean there's prayer teams and those mm-hmm. kinds of things just to seek support in that way mm-hmm. obviously i think we're a little biased but i think everyone could use a therapist
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> um the I longer disagree. i live the more i agree with that statement <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. yeah absolutely
0: yeah um, anything else you'd add to that show?
3: I don't think so. Yeah. Just, you know, reach, see when, see what you already have. Take a take inventory of what you already have around you. And if you've got, you know, helpful people that are truly have been mm-hmm. supportive to you, like Courtney said, trying to risk, you know, opening up about something or seeing, trying new things or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, but then if you need a professional to reach out to somebody, yeah, we've got a lot in our
0: area, a lot mm-hmm. of good ones. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> But this it's is,
1: okay to promote this one specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 And That's how can right. we find yeah. you guys if people
0: yeah. are, are looking to find out more about you guys? How can we find you guys?
3: So uh, the easiest way is probably just to go to our website, which is joyforthejourneycounseling.com. Uh, we are in Newburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find us that way and our phone number and everything's
0: on there and give us a call if, there's, if you've got questions or things like that. Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> I'll put the link to your guys' website in the description of the podcast if wherever you're listening or watching. Um, I think one of my favorite things just in this podcast, one, it's just fascinating and fun to just process this information. But I love how visual you both are. Like when you're doing hand <laughs> motions and Courtney's putting her arms up against her chest. And I'm like, yeah, that makes me feel safe when I do that. Yeah, it yeah, does. I understand that's
1: that. right. Yeah. My I do, brain's a fist. Oh, that's, that's I lost do, now. We
2: do body movement. Do I do a, a ton of body movement in my mm-hmm. office. I have people stand up and our posture is key. If I'm trying to be serious about something or I'm trying to be in a better mood. Like this doesn't help mm-hmm. if I that's can. true. That's yeah. right. If and I can, then you
1: dance around the house. And that's I right. do. I do
0: dance. Yeah, she lot. dances with her clients yeah. too. I do. another little kid. That us. is a fact.
2: <laughs>
0: uh-huh. I feel like we should start dancing. You know? I mean, <laughs> I will. I will moonwalk slash running man. i time. <laughs> <That's a>, done? <laughs> done. That's happening. That's right. And I'll see Brett. I'll walk by knock on his door. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm dancing. I'm dancing. Uh-huh. That's right. You do I'm, you. Uh-huh. You do you. I've been
1: released. Yep. Dance break.
0: That's right. Yes. Thank you guys so much for taking some time and sharing. Some of your awesome information things you guys get to do, and thank you for what you do. I mean it's awesome just to to be able to get to hear a little bit of that and why it's uh can kind of obviously see on your faces and just hear from your stories why you love it so much so it's awesome just being able to hear that thank you well, thanks, thanks for having us yeah, thank you, yeah, Brett. as we kind of move forward in the series um I don't know, anything that um, you would just kind of want to be talking about? I know this, this one will be playing at a different time, probably Yeah, well, it so. It'll be
1: towards the end of it. And the last subject is going to be stress, mm-hmm. uh, which I will be asking uh, these two about and what would be great resources because that one I haven't delved into as much uh, because I'm spending a lot of time with addictions and relationships. But we will be uh, just giving strategies for how to overcome stress because that's a very, very common problem. A lot of people have anxiety and life is speeding up and it's so crowded and everybody talks about how busy they are and how stressed they are. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to... Come up with some. Here's three things to to know and understand about this when that happens. And I got some today. Remember, <laughs> you put your little fist together and you look at your. Maybe uh, we'll emotion, just show that. On. We may just do that. Yeah. This that is right. a animated thing. Uh-huh. And then in the summer, speaking of music, we are going to do another uh, uh, summer music thing that we've done the last couple of years. We're going through the Psalms. We're going to go through the life of David and talk about worship from that angle and how his life was kind of inter- intertwined with music and worship and all that. So that'll be for the summer. Can so, I tell people what is? Called? Uh, yes, because I don't remember what it was called. So <laughs> That's my job, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, sure. we're
0: calling it Soundtracks. So, That's right. Yeah. I love that oh, name. And that Matt actually had a really great idea of, of getting people to submit. I don't know if we'll do this, but I'll talk about it here. Um, <laughs> submit kind of artwork of what's the soundtrack of your life look like and use that as the artwork for the series. So yeah, we might be cool. throwing that out here soon, which would be great. I'd love that. Love to see <laughs> that people Absolutely. come up with. So yeah. again, thank you, Courtney and Jill, for joining yes. us. It's so awesome to be able to hang out, and we appreciate you guys so much um, listening. and I appreciate you sharing, following um, anywhere you're listening to it today. we thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If there was something that you heard that you really want other people to know, share it out on social media. You can use the hashtag OLpodcast. To ask us a question here at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Inman, and I produced this episode. Our music is produced by Michael Robertson and Ben Brock.